Hi everyone, uh, welcome to the Layman's channel. Uh, my name's Martin and uh, I'll be once again uh, taking the Bible study today. And uh, we're going to look at the final part of the study that we've been doing into the book of First John and chapter 4 and verses 1 to 6 with our particular emphasis on uh, verse 4, which is greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. So without further ado, let's, let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for all that you've done in us and through us. We want to thank you for the book that you have given us, which is full of your words of life. Thank you, Lord God, that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And that, Lord, when we seriously study your word, then, Lord God, that word becomes a light because the entrance of your word brings light. And Lord, I want to thank you that you give us that understanding. But Lord God, and I pray right once again, Lord, for all the people that are uh, watching and listening to this right now, wherever they are in the world. But Lord God, that you would open up their hearts, open up their eyes, open up their spirits, Lord God, to see the truths of your word. That Lord God, that it may change them, that there may be spirit to spirit communication between you as their father and them as your child. In Jesus name I pray. And once again, I want to thank you, Lord, that you have promised to use me as a conduit and that, Lord God, that you have promised to anoint my lips to enhance and build up the kingdom of God. So, Lord, may you do that once again through me as I surrender to you, not for my glory, but for the glory of God. At majorum de gloriam, for the greater glory of our God. Amen. Well, here we are. At the end of our adventure into verse 4, which is, uh, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. And um, I've been thinking of the journey that we've been on together these past 16 weeks. and was wondering how to close this study in an appropriate way. How do you summarise this verse and all that we have extracted from it? Hopefully, this sentence encapsulates everything when I say this. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world are the 12 words that have the capacity and power to change your life, your circumstances and your ministries. Let me say that again. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world are the 12 words that have the capacity and power to change your life, your circumstances, and your ministries. Hopefully over the next 15-20 uh, minutes I'll be bringing out some highlights from the studies that we've been doing these past few weeks, so that the truths that we found within this verse are reinforced within our lives, that we can go out into the world fully armed with the Word of God. First of all, and I know I've repeated this uh, several times throughout these studies, but I'd, I'd like to repeat it again. Um, and that's this. The Bible cannot be treated like a self-help book. And wherever you are in the world, the churches that you belong to and attend are not self-help groups. Of course, there are many verses and chapters and passages in the Bible that can bring us comfort in our time of need. 
and our time of fellowship with each other are essential to build us up into the church. But that isn't the primary purpose of the Bible. The Bible is all about God and his plan of salvation for a lost and dying mankind. It's as simple as that. It's not about you and me and how we feel. It's not about finding a formula or a method that works in order to improve ourselves. Because if you dare to look closely, there is nothing in you and there is nothing in me that's worth improving. To even try is like making a silk purse out of a sow's ear. All you're doing, if you're trying to do that, trying to improve yourself, is putting lipstick on a pig. No, the Bible is not a rule book for self-improvement. It is the living, breathing word of our Father in heaven, embodied in Christ Jesus, his Son, and enlightened to us by the Holy Spirit. The Bible has been, always will be, and is still all about Jesus. I want to emphasize that the verse we've been studying, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world, isn't about us. And I'm quoting myself once again, when I, I, I've said again several times through these studies, all we are is the middleman in a cosmic and spiritual battle for the hearts and souls of mankind. Yet what God does in us is the key to unlock victory for ourselves and for others. It's not all about us, but it is all about the greatness of our God who has found a dwelling place within us. It's not about us thinking about ourselves more highly than we ought or trying to do things for ourselves. It's about putting Christ above all. Remember we touched on the message of John the Baptist when he told his followers in John 3 and verse 30, and I'm quoting from the message version, this is the assigned moment for him to move into the centre while I slip off to the sidelines. That should always be our own desires as we walk with him too, that Jesus becomes the centre of it all. I also highlighted the four major points within that verse in 1 John chapter 4. One, he with a capital H, that's God, us, you and me, he with a small h, the spirit of Antichrist, and the world in which we live. In that first study, we had a brief look at the spirit of the Antichrist who runs the world. And we learned how to discern each spirit by asking one simple question. Did Jesus come in the flesh? We saw that every worldly philosophy has the spirit of Antichrist behind it. Every religion that denies Jesus has come in bodily form and is the only saviour has the spirit of Antichrist behind it. Even modern Judaism, every political system, every social system, everything in the world that does not acknowledge Jesus has come in the flesh is of the Antichrist. In verse 3 of 1 John 4 we read this, Every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. 
This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. I didn't particularly want to spend too much time looking at the spirit of Antichrist over these past weeks, because the main focus of that verse is all about the greater one within us. Who wants to focus mainly upon the Antichrist when you can put your eyes and focus upon Jesus Christ? In Psalm 27 and verse 4, David says this, One thing I have asked of the Lord, and this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, and to seek him in his temple. I pray that's your desire too. Remember, it's all about Jesus. In weeks two and three, we had a brief look at, at us and who we are. And we saw that even though we always seem to fall and fail, God will fulfill his promises to us because they're already fulfilled in Christ. For no matter how many promises God had, has made, we read, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the Amen is spoken to us by the glory of God. We answered the questions we all have about who we are as individuals in a worldwide body of believers. And we also touched upon our purpose in Christ Jesus. We understood that being a good witness of Christ has to come from a work of God that comes from within us. And we are nothing without him. Paul said in Ephesians 3 and verse 8, that although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. Our attitude should always be like Paul's, one of humility and not of arrogance, and one who is willing to share the gospel of Christ. As the height of the second wave of the COVID pandemic was ravaging the world, in part four, we looked at how we as Christians should be living fearlessly in a frightened world. We went into a little bit of church history and saw that our ancient brothers and sisters were the ones who, when disease and infection struck a city, went in to look after the sick and dying, whilst the rich and the famous ran away in fear. In Psalm 18 and verse 2, we learned that the Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. And one of my favourite scriptures in Psalm 3 and verse 3, Thou, O Lord, art a shield about me. You're my glory and the lifter of my head. I'm still going to ask you that question. If Christ in you is the greater one within and you seriously believe that he is, then why are you afraid of a virus? A large part of me really wants to focus on living without fear again now, but this is supposed to be a summary of all that we've learned. And I really believe that the truths that we've learned about the greater one within need to be reinforced before we move on to other things. When I originally started to study for part five, 
It was just as racial tensions were rising in the USA and the UK and in the UK after the death of George Floyd. I wanted to emphasise the unity that we all have in Christ Jesus. That we are all the same when we are born because we are all born equal. We all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. The all Christ Jesus, that Christ Jesus died on the cross for all men and women of the world, regardless of race. That makes the gospel that we preach the great equaliser among men. And that the same gospel gives everyone who trusts in Jesus an equal opportunity to start afresh as a new creation in Christ Jesus. And we saw that in Revelation and chapter 5 and verse 9 that every tribe, every tongue, every nation was represented before the throne. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased God from persons from every tribe, every language and from every nation. In part 6, 7, 9, 10, 11 and 12, we turned our attention upon Jesus, fixing our eyes upon him who is the author and perfecter of our faith. In doing so, we used the scriptures from Colossians 1, verses 13 to 20 to augment what we were learning from 1 John 4 and verse 4. And those words were this, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and has brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him, and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. I'm still convinced that we haven't extracted all that we could from those verses, but we did our best with the time afforded. And you never know, one day I might come back to these verses and study them a little bit further. In part eight, I was challenged to remind you how we could apply these teachings to our lives. And whilst I couldn't answer that di question directly, I reminded you of the tried and tested means which, which Bible-believing Christians have used down through the centuries. Namely, reading the Word of God, hearing the Word of God, studying the Word of God, meditating upon the Word of God, and praying the Word of God. The application of these scriptures comes down to a personal responsibility to take them seriously. Do you take the words of the Bible seriously? Do you take your study seriously? Or is it just a fly-by-night thing? 
You know, we also saw that preachers and teachers can only point you in the right direction, that it's down to you. You have the responsibility to check what we say is true and to check also for yourselves. And you never know, you might learn something if you just study the Bible for yourself and don't rely on people like me or your pastors and teachers at your church. Over the final two weeks of this study, we turned our attention upon the fourth part of 1 John 4.4, namely the world. Although we've only briefly touched upon what could have been an extended study, I hope that you were encouraged by the facts that A, God founded it, B, God owns it, C, God has the right to judge it in righteousness, and D, he can do all of that because he loves it. And now, because we all can have no excuse in ignoring those facts, he has given you and me the responsibility to make those things known to the world. And we can only do that if the light of Christ shines from within us. For Jesus himself said to the disciples in Matthew 5 and verse 14 that you are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. So don't hide your lights. Shine for Jesus and make sure that you shine brightly. Don't camouflage yourself with the world. Last week, we can sum up with that one verse from James 4.4, which we should always keep at the front of our minds in these last days, when he reminds us this. Don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. I adjure you to listen to James. I encourage you all to find ways to let the light of Jesus shine from within you, piercing the darkness all around. Let the world know that greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Amen and amen. Well, thank you all for listening. I hope that you have found something useful out of all these studies that has aided you in your walk with Christ. But may I wish you Godspeed in everything you do. May you be blessed. May you be blessed when you come and when you go, when you go out, when you come in. May you be blessed in your work. May you be blessed in your family. May you be blessed in your studies. May you be blessed in your prayer life. In Jesus' name. Amen.